Evening everyone, we're going to take up tonight's Bible reading which you'll find in Psalm 52 before Graham comes and continues the series in the book of Psalms. So Psalm 52 and of course it will be on the screen behind me. For the director of music, a mascal of David, when Doeg the Edomite had gone to Saul and told him, David has gone to the house of Ahimelech. Why do you boast of evil, you mighty hero? Why do you boast all day long, you who are a disgrace in the eyes of God? You who practice deceit, your tongue plucks destruction. It is like a sharpened razor. You love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see and fear. They will laugh at you, saying, Here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what have you done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, let me give you a very warm welcome. Uh, if we've not met before, my name's Graham. I'm part of the team of pastors here, and it's a privilege to be able to speak to you from Psalm 52. If you've got it on an app or on a Bible or you want to Google it, uh, now's the time for that. Don't worry if you can't or you haven't, uh, but it will help us as we go through it. Let me just pray for us. And then, uh, and then we'll look at it together. Yeah, Jesus, we, we turn our eyes to you. Uh, this evening, we, uh, please, Holy Spirit, would you, would you fix our eyes on Jesus and help us to hear what it is that you want to say to us each this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to imagine that I uh, bring someone onto the platform here this evening, uh, someone that you know. Uh, And the reason you know them is because they are someone uh, who makes you angry. I want you to picture that person. Uh, A person who makes you feel angry. Um, Perhaps they're someone from uh, your family. Uh, Perhaps they're even someone in your home. Perhaps they're a a friend, uh, someone who has let you down. Um, Perhaps someone at work, Um, perhaps a a neighbour, a public figure. Who could I bring out here who make you feel angry? Uh, And as you picture this person, how do you feel? How do you feel inside? Uh, Martin, if you watched uh, this morning's service and heard him talk, he talked about this kind of, you feel your temperature rising a bit, don't you? You feel things tensing up a little bit. Uh, for me, as I sort of think of my person, I, I kind of, I get a bit churned up inside, do you know what I mean? Like I, f- I feel the jaw clenching and it feels like things are turning around. I often feel like anger is like a, uh, an internal tumble dryer. Essentially, getting everything a bit hotter, but really <laughs> going nowhere. Um, how does that feel for you? Um, I heard this quote once said, um, 
Uh, anger uh, builds nothing up but tears everything down. Anger builds nothing up but tears everything down. And, and you, I guess as you picture this person, you know that to be true, don't you? Anger can, can tear down relationships. It can tear down you inside a bit. And you, you get this sense that this is not the way things should be. This is not, this is not healthy. <laughs> this is not where I want to be inside. Um, I guess um, the Bible talks a lot about anger. Uh, Paul, who writes a lot of the letters that make it into the New Testament, he, he speaks about anger and he, he doesn't say, look, don't get angry, <laughs> but he says you've got to do something with your anger. But the question is, like, what? What actually is the antidote to anger? What is the antidote to anger? And as we come to Psalm 52, I hope to kind of hand you some kind of antidote to anger this evening. Um, there's a, there's a, um, a, a kind of a three mindset pattern that we see David write in this psalm. We're going to try and expose a bit of that and get, hand you an an antidote to anger. Uh, why is David angry? Uh, what's going on? Uh, if you picked it up in the start of what Aileen wrote, uh, read, uh, if you've got a Bible in front of you, you might see this kind of top line just before verse 1 starts. It says, uh, it's a psalm of David. When Doeg, the Edomite, had gone to Saul and told him, David has gone to the house of Ahimelech. What's going on here? Well, uh, David is on the run from a king called Saul. Uh, he flees. He manages to escape. He goes to some pretty dangerous places to hide out. Uh, one of those places is Ahimelech's house. And this guy, Doeg, dobs on him. Basically, he tells Saul, uh, David is hiding out at Ahimelech's house. Saul sends some men, including Doeg. Doeg kills a bunch of guys. <laughs> it's pretty gross. You can read about it in 1 Samuel Honestly, there's things in the Bible that make Game of Thrones look like Noddy and Big Ears sometimes. Uh, things get quite bloody. And, uh, and Do- uh, David is, is angry about it. Like essentially, Doeg is a bad man who exposed his hiding place. And so, and so David is angry about it. And in the space of this short psalm, I think David hands us this kind of antidote to anger. He goes through three mindsets uh, as he deals with his anger, and this is what I want to equip us all with as we go. Have it, have it open in front of you, and as we look at the first part, I want you to think about where is David's anger temperature, if you like, on this kind of this temperature gauge. Think about where is David's anger temperature. Look at verse uh, 1 through to 4. Let me read this for you. Why do you boast of evil, you mighty hero? Why do you boast all day long? You're a disgrace in the eyes of God. You practice deceit. Your tongue plots destruction. It's like a sharpened razor. You love evil rather than good. Falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Have you ever had an outburst? <laughs> Have you ever had an outburst at this person? Or perhaps behind their back? Did it ever <laughs> match David's? But where on the temperature gauge, where on the temperature gauge is, is David's anger right now? You can, I know you can't speak, I'm getting points up. You'd agree it's sort of up here somewhere, wouldn't you? 
The anger gauge is right up here somewhere. I think what, what David does here is he recognises he recognizes his anger. We can put that first heading on the screen because that's David's first mindset is to, to recognise your anger. Recognise your anger. Again, Paul, when he writes these letters in the New Testament, he, he doesn't say, ignore anger. You, you won't get angry. Don't worry about it or don't, just don't get angry. He, he talks about when you're angry... These are the things that you can do to get, to get rid of it. Recognise it. David doesn't, um, David doesn't suppress his anger. David doesn't, doesn't bury his anger. He doesn't bottle it up and push it deep down in an emotional well somewhere. Uh, it's a bit like, um, the, you know, I love the, the, when these stories crop up on the news uh, all the time. Uh, when someone's been building a house or digging a hole in the garden or building an extension... And as they're digging, they hear the, and they're like, what, what's, what's that? And they do a bit, of, bit more digging and a bit of brushing around. And they found an unexploded World War II bomb <laughs> right where they want to build a house. And so they, they, they call 999 or whoever it is. You call, who do you call when you've got like an unexploded bomb in your garden? I don't know. Like, who, what service do you require? All of them. I don't know. Like, send, send everyone. And what, what they'll send is a bomb disposal squad. Because that bomb needs diffusing. Because it's been, it's been buried. And it, if it goes off, it's going to cause serious harm and damage to people and property. Essentially, David wants us to diffuse our anger. And I guess in this kind of threefold, three-mindset pattern, he's going to give us a, a kind of a bomb disposal kit, as it were. But the first mindset is, this, is kind of to recognize your anger. Don't suppress it. Recognize it. Second part of the psalm says this. Have a look, if you can, verse 5 to verse 7. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up, pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see in fear. They will laugh at you saying, here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. Where do you reckon we are? Are we at the same sort of red hot heat? Has he cooled right off? Where, kind of, where do you reckon we are on the temperature gauge? Top, middle? I'd sort of put us middle, yeah? I'd sort of put us... He's kind of moved to around here. Just starting to move down the temperature a little bit. Uh, and here's what I think David's doing. It's the second mindset, which is to release. Release. He's starting to release the situation. Do you notice how, how David now points his emotional situation to God? And the kind of language he's using, he says, look, I am angry at you, but God is going to be the judge. God, God will deal with you. It's a bit like, uh, can you imagine uh, walking into a courtroom and uh, a court case going on and the prosecution uh, finds the guilty person guilty and the jury have come back in and he's guilty and at that point the prosecuting lawyer does not go 
great. And now it's my turn to hand out the punishment. Uh, you are getting three life sentences. And the guy's like, I stole a pencil sharpener. What's wrong with you? Um, but the, the prosecuting lawyer does not dish out the punishment. At that point, the prosecuting lawyer hands it over to the judge, to the supreme ruling authority uh, in that place to dish out what is just and fair and proportionate. And in a sense, as, as David now releases the situation to God, he's starting to come down the temperature gauge because, you know, God will do with Doeg what God will do with Doeg. God will be the ultimate supreme and right judge with authority in this situation. And that, that starts to bring his temperature down a bit. Third part of the psalm says this, from verse 8 onwards. But I, I'm like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. A trusting God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you. In the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name. For your name is good. Where's David now? Right down the bottom. I'm getting points of down, down, down. He's right down here, isn't he? He's recognized his anger. He's released the situation to God. And it feels now he's in this place of rest. Rest. And he's resting in who he is. He's resting in who God says he is. And David himself uses this image of an olive tree. Of an olive tree. Now, I like random detail. Uh, if you ever come across a random detail in the Bible, uh, always Google it. It's so worth it. Or just read a bit of book, research, do some digging in. A random detail is never random in the Bible. It, it will always show you something that just poor brings something to life for you. So always Google it. Uh, David uh, uses images of trees all the time. Like he just says, a tree, a tree, a tree. But here he's, he's been really specific. He said an olive tree, an olive tree. That's a random detail. Uh, again, Google, you, you'll find all sorts of, sort of things that will bring this to life for you. It's great. But one detail, I haven't got time to go through them all. One detail you'd find out is really interesting. <laughs> Get to that in a second. Um, olive trees, in the Old Testament, first part of the Bible, which David is, is living in, writing in, what do we see olive trees being a symbol of? Do you see olive branches being a symbol of? It, you, you may know this kind of saying and picture and imagery even now, 2021. You extend an olive branch as a sign of peace. Peace. Sign of peace. I love the random detail. This is a uh, olive tree. Uh, from my garden. <laughs> David describes himself as a, a flourishing olive tree. 
Uh, this is very much not a flourishing olive tree. <laughs> this, is a, this is kind of what happens to plants when they come anywhere near me. Like this is just sort of, they, they sort of know their fate. As soon as they see our address on the delivery, like, oh, just take me now. This is just what happens to our, and this is an olive tree. This is an ex-olive tree. You know, this, is, this, is, this olive tree has departed. It is no longer an olive tree. It is an ex, it's, it's, <laughs> it's an ex-olive tree. It's dead. It's not flourishing. It's dry. It's shriveled up. It's doing badly. It is dead. It is withered. It is dried. This is what anger will do to a person. This is what anger will do to a person. This is not a flourishing olive tree. Do you want to see a flourishing olive tree? Uh, Let's see this picture on the screen now. That is a flourishing olive tree. Look at the difference. Look how glorious it is. Look at the difference between this tree, which has been left neglected and, and, and undernourished and underfed. Look at the difference between those two olive trees. That is a flourishing olive tree. So David, you're describing yourself as a, as a flourishing olive tree. Give us some help here. Like, how do you, what's the feed here? What's the feed for flourishing? What's the nutrients? What's in your soil, man? Like, give us some help here. He, he tells us uh, from verse 8 onwards, He says this, this is how to flourish, how to flourish, uh, stage number one. I trust in God's unfailing love. I trust in God's unfailing love. It's starting to go against the grain a little bit. You know all those emotions you felt about your your person who's on platform? I trust in God's unfailing love. You're starting to go against the grain of what you would naturally feel as your instinct, aren't you? I trust in your unfailing love. Verse nine, for what you have done, I will always praise you. I'll praise you in the presence of your faithful people. Again, that doesn't really go against the natural instinct, does it? That does go against the natural instinct story. That doesn't go with it. I'll trust in your unfailing love. I'll praise you in the presence of people. And third thing, I will hope. I will hope in your name. For your name is good. There's a, there's a lot in a name, isn't there? There's a lot in a name. Have you ever, um, have you ever looked at what your name means? Uh, you might have found something surprising or uh, interesting. Uh, there's a lot in a name. Uh, we did this with my family uh, a few weeks ago. We asked Alexa uh, what our various names mean. And uh, around our, our family breakfast table, I'll tell you them now, from, from youngest to oldest. Uh, so we've got Charlotte, little two-year-old girl. Uh, Charlotte means petite. And that's, that's kind of cute. That sort of suits her. She's little and kind of cute. That's cool. That's nice. That sort of suits her. Uh, William, our five-year-old boy, William means protector. And uh, yeah, ooh, William, the conqueror, protector. And he's, that's my boy. Big brother. That's my boy, protector. That's cool. Um, Joanna, my wife, uh, Joanna uh, apparently means gracious. And because she's watching the live stream now, I think that suits her just right. Um, <laughs> gracious. And then we said, um, Alexa, what does the name Graham mean? And uh, Alexa said, gravel pit. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks, Alexa. You can stop now. Uh, there's a lot in a name. And throughout the whole Bible, God gives himself 
various names, loads of them. Uh, and some of those names really talk about his character. There's a lot in a name. It can be really descriptive. And if you look at some of the names of God, he will call himself a judge. He'll call himself judge. Supreme ruling authority. He'll call himself comforter. He'll call himself mediator. Those are quite peaceful names. Eventually, God gives himself a name which is unbeatable, which is when he, as God the Father, becomes God the Son. He, he comes to earth as Jesus. He puts on human clothing, as it were, and he gives himself the name Prince of Peace. He gives himself the name Prince of Peace. Trust in his unfailing love. Praise him for what he's done. Hope in his name. That's a good name, Prince of Peace. Now, you may be thinking, but, <laughs> but, 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 Graham, you do not know the, the, the depth of hurt <laughs> that I have. You, you don't know the, the, the depth of anger that I feel. You, you don't know what's going on inside me towards this person. You, you don't know the, the depth of betrayal or... You don't know how long I've been journeying with anger and hurt. Um, you, don't, you don't understand it. It's not that easy to just bring myself down the, the temperature gauge when I think of this person. And I get that. I understand that. It's not as easy as that, is it? It's not as simple. If that's you this evening, and if we're honest, it's probably most of us, right? Let me give you a completely different way to view this psalm. Let me give you, a hand you a completely new lens to look at this psalm in. Uh, I was going to give you a sermon tonight, uh, not called Antidote to Anger. I was going to give you a sermon tonight called Don't Do a Doeg, right? This guy, Doeg, don't do a Doeg. Uh, as David describes him, Doeg is a pretty bad guy. He's, he's evil, bad. And we see kind of all those things that David lists about why he's so bad. And we don't want to be bad, so don't do a Doeg. And what I was going to do for you tonight was, was go through the psalm and kind of list out some of the things that David describes Doeg as and say, look, let's try and avoid these things. And so as I started listing them all out, I started to notice something. I started to list them out. Have a look what are the ways that, that David describes Doeg. He says he's, uh, he says he's boastful. He sees himself as a bit of a hero. He's, uh, he's got an untamed tongue, which can cause damage. Put his trust in, in wealth. He hasn't been honest with the whole truth. He bigs himself up to tear other people down. Is it getting warm in here? Because I can see some of me in that. 
Can you see some of yourself in any of those things? And as I, as I got thinking about that, I thought, well, if David says, surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin, evil Doeg, does, <laughs> do I deserve God to bring me down to everlasting ruin because of those things in my life? Does David's anger towards Doeg mirror God's anger towards those things in my life? Does David's anger towards Doeg mirror something of God's anger towards me because of those things present in my life? And your life? How does God deal with that anger? How does God diffuse that bomb? Because he, he, he has an unfailing love towards you. An unfailing love towards you and you and you and all of us. Yet he has a, a right and just anger towards those things that are present in our lives. How does he do it? We've already mentioned it. He puts on human clothing. He comes to earth as a man. He comes as Jesus. He comes as the person who calls himself the Prince of Peace to be nailed to a cross. And in that moment on the cross, takes on behalf of us all the anger that's due to us. He absorbs on himself. God the Son takes all the anger that God the Father should be sending our way and absorbs it on himself. The Prince of Peace makes a way so that there can be peace between me and God and you and God. And that's, that's the antidote to anger. When you see your own life in light of that, that's the antidote to anger. Because now you can flourish in David's steps, in David's nutrients. That is, the, that is the unfailing love that he has for you, that he would do that for you. That, that is the thing that you can praise him for. For what you have done, I will always praise you. That's the thing that he's done. He, he's done it on the cross. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good, Jesus' death on the cross, if you accept it for your own life, is in place of the anger that should be coming your way. That is a sure hope that you now have eternal life. You can trust in his unfailing love. You can praise him because that's the thing that he's done. And you can hope in his name. I hope that's helpful. I hope that equips you. I hope that helps you in situations where you're angry. But most of all, I hope that you know the Prince of Peace. Most of all, I hope that you, you know that there's a way for you to have peace with God, your Father. And so um, the invitation for you this evening is, is to know him 
is to ask him to show himself to you as being the Prince of Peace. Uh, the invitation to you as well is, to, is to, to release these situations to God. You've all recognized an anger. You've all recognized the situation. I'm just going to give you a moment now as we finish. Um, we'll, we'll pray together in a second, but let me give you a moment just to pray in your own heart in the, in the quiet. And say, God, help me to see you as ultimate judge here. Help me to see this situation in light of what I see my situation before you as. And help me to release this thing to you, God, and trust you. Let's just take a few moments in silent prayer for that. Father God, help us to release those things to you now. Father, help us to trust in your unfailing love. To praise you for the things that you have done. And to hope in your name. Because your name is good. Amen.